You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, now available on the Umoja app. Uh, I'm your host, Imran Daramsi. And on this weekly talk show, well, almost weekly, we invite professionals and teenagers to take us through their journeys and to give us advice. Um, we took a break for a few weeks, but we are happy to be back and uh, back at it uh, for everyone who, who listens to our show. And we hope that you appreciate the new uh, changes in format that, that we're making. If you have any feedback on that, um, you can email us at mentor at mojaarish.org um, or you can submit it on the Inspire platform. Um, also, if you have any questions for our panelists, you can always leave them on the Inspire app, uh, which is, as we mentioned every show, a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. So as a rising professional, you can ask for great advice from other professionals in our community. Um, and as a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals. And that's available via the Umoja app um, with an Emoji account on Android and iOS. Um, and then one other thing we wanted to mention, um, we are able to share uh, weekly, almost weekly, stories of inspiring professionals, students, and community organizations only because of the generous support of listeners and viewers uh, like you listening now. Um, so please consider supporting us um, at emojiarch.org slash donate um, or through the Emoji app. Um, every little bit goes a long way in opening career doors for our youth and connecting our community. So we thank you for that. Um, okay, now on to today's speaker. Um, today's speaker is Brother Kaim Nakvi. Um, he is an environmental science student, um, graduate, I'm sorry, from the University of Illinois. Um, and he has experience working in a variety of different areas of environmental conservation. Uh, that includes ecological research and also trail work, which I'm sure he'll tell us a lot more about his recent experiences. Um, and then one of his long-term goals is to bring greater environmental consciousness into the Islamic community. So really excited for this show. Um, and let's welcome our speaker. Salam Salam. Khan, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so I wanted to just start with, um, like, why are you interested in environmental science? Because it's something we haven't had a lot of people who are interested in that come on the show um, so if you could just speak to that, what's so great about environmental science? Yeah, um, I think a love of environmental science kind of comes at a young age. Um, I've had a lot of uh, experiences in the forest behind my house when I was a kid. Uh, my father used to travel to, to Denver, Colorado, so he took us there. And so I got to experience the mountains mm -hmm. um, and just a love for, for wildlife. Um, I would catch snakes in my backyard, things like that. So I've always enjoyed working with animals. Um, you, ever since I was young, I thought I'd be like a biologist or something, something along those mm -hmm. lines. So, um, but yeah, and then also comes like a concern for like climate change related issues and other things that like affect me deeply. And, you know, if I look towards my future and you, if you see, seen the like IPCC climate report that just came yeah. out, um, the future looks kind of bleak if you stare at it too long. <laughs> so, um, but it, you know, I, I don't believe that you should just like curl up and, you know, curl up and wait for wait to die. So uh, I think it's I think it says a lot about humanity or just people in general that they're they're willing to fight for a solution to these problems that like they don't really know if there are any solutions. That's interesting. Could you actually talk a bit more about that? I know that's not something we really went into in the pre-interview, but that last piece you said was very interesting well like i don't know 
the scientists are environmental science can be the the de- I'd say like the dark side is looking at uh, <laughs> what we've done to the environment and trying to like mitigate yeah. the effects and like look forward. And a lot of t- a lot of times the news can be very like defeating because there's no like right answer. You know, I mean, the right answer is like cut carbon emissions and like like transform the world's energy system immediately. Of course, yeah. Like that's the if that if you want to like stop well you can't really stop climate change the problem is it's already in motion and and they, there's something called like a delay effect basically where we're being affected by the carbon that was released some decades ago and then our what we release now will they'll feel it some decades later it's like mm. a, a delay yeah. um, and so like knowing that it, it it can seem kind of scary and there are no you know there's no magical like uh like thing that uh, technology that can remove all the carbon in the atmosphere yet um i'm not you know i'm not waiting with bated breath for that uh so yeah it's kind of scary but i think there's a lot of like room for growth in that i think that a lot of advancements can be made in the field of environmental science and like sustainability when it comes to like from like electric cars to like uh transfer like transferring us from like coal power to solar power or wind power there's a lot of potential question is who's willing to you know invest in that kind of potential or you know if it's a political problem hmm. if environmental science becomes a political issue then like who's willing to fund it on like political grounds as well right um and we'll definitely talk a lot more about those specific issues in in a bit but um back to you personally so i know a lot of people there perhaps interested in environmentalism or maybe they do some advocacy on the side how did you decide to make environmental science like your thing that you're going to pursue as a career? Yeah. Um, how, how did you make that leap? I guess, cause it is a leap. Well, I think uh, some of it has to do with me being interested in animals and, and like mm-hmm. in the environment since a young age and that it was just me sure. kind of yeah. just continuing, continuing to do what I found interesting or like what I was curious about. Um, but I was actually thinking of going into art. Uh, I like to, art as like a side thing. Like I do oil paintings mm-hmm. and drawings, all this stuff. And I was originally, th- originally thinking of going to school for studio art, but I decided to switch to environmental science because I figure you can become an artist without having to go to art school, but you can't necessarily become a scientist without having to study science. Um, but that's nothing, not to say anything bad about art school. Like I'm absolutely supportive of anyone who wants mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but it just seemed like uh, something that I feel like I could have found more uh, employment with but we'll see. I'm still early on in my career, but uh, something that I think, I think it's, an, it's an, uh, a field that's growing because of the, the modern, the con- current concern about environmental disasters and, and worsening climate effects. Like, you know, obviously if someone, if people have like any uh, desire to solve these problems, environmental people are who they're going to, who they're going to hire or who they're going to go mm, to. Right. And I feel like, yeah it's a position where a lot of people have like an emotional connection to what they're doing. Like I, I like, I, I've never worked in another field, so I'm not really sure what the people's like connection to their, to what they're you know working on is. But for me and people who are working in the environmental field, especially like younger people are very emotionally connected to what they're working on. And they feel like a spiritual connection um, to like the, I guess the, the basis to the mission of environmental science. Right. Um, and we were also talking about um, 
despite there being things that a lot of people are passionate about, like maybe, you know, going into environmental science or going into being an electrician or being a welder, there's often mm. a lot of stigma associated with like going into jobs that are deemed less than or mm-hmm. inferior. Um, but I put that in quotes because they're not, they're, they actually like make the backbone of our society. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want like, if you could give a little bit of your thoughts on that and how that affected uh, yeah. your choice. Well, yeah. Well, I just feel like, I don't know, coming from, uh, my parents are immigrants from India and, and there's some, there's some pressure from the culture, not necessarily my parents because they were supportive of me, even if I wanted to go to art mm-hmm. school. And that's, I think is like extraordinary of them, but uh, I think yeah. there's a lot of pressure for us to be doctors, engineers, you know, I mean, everyone kind of knows that, uh, that like, I guess stereotype, but I think it is to a point true where, where I think it's kind of like seen as like a status thing to, be a doctor or an engineer but it's obviously those are very important jobs and if people want to do them absolutely like they're very important um but i think that other other jobs are just as um, important things like yeah like trades like welding plumbing i mean everyone needs a doctor when they get sick but even a doctor needs a plumber when his you know his toilet backs up it's it's important work yeah, and that's it's, a good point the backbone <laughs> of society if we didn't have people who took our trash out you know, we'd be living in mm-hmm. garbage. So they do a huge service to right. us. Um, but it's just because, you know, you're not going to college, you go to trade school instead, or maybe you don't go to any college and you can still end up with a, with a career if you know what you're doing. Um, and if you're willing to fight for having that career, because you might feel pressure if you, if you want to be an artist or if you want to be a graphic designer or a, I don't know, someone who works in a factory, whatever. Um, hmm. There's a lot, of, I think there might be some pushback because it's seen as like a, uh, I don't know, blue collar working class instead of some kind of like, you don't make as much money, but I think it, a fulfilling job is mo- what's more important than a uh, well-paid job. Right. Yeah. Uh, of course on the show, like we definitely agree with that um, because we've tried to bring on speakers from, you know, we do all sorts of different things. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, uh, so thank you for that insight. And and now back to just talking about you specifically, um, can you take us through your um, like undergrad process uh, which kind of courses did you take? Uh, where'd you study? Um, and what did you think of your, of your major specifically? Like, how was the experience? Sure. So I went to, uh, before I went to the University of Illinois, I did two years at the College of DuPage, which is a, a community college in uh, the Chicago area, Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to get uh, 60 credits for free um, uh, from a scholarship. So I was able to do that and then transfer, oh, wow. transfer to University of Illinois where I finished my um, bachelor's, I got, uh, I think uh, something really important, actually, no, before I get to that, my major was good. I, okay. I really enjoy it because it's, okay. it's kind of a, so there's a life science is really big in Illinois because of agriculture, mm-hmm. there's a big black corn industry and soybean industry, um, but conservation is not as big, the major. Um, so the major is kind of small and you kind of get to know those other people in your classes because you see them very often. Um, so it's a nice community. Uh, and the people are really passionate, again, about, environmental it's not it's not like uh you know it's like the people who care about this stuff on their together science because they care about it, you know even on their off time um and mm-hmm. i like that kind of passion you make good friends um and i was able to work for one of the labs that's based in the university of illinois uh, as a research assistant where i got some research experience and i'm currently writing a research paper that was started off on dirt when i was working in that position um and also like doing uh yeah, volunteering. Uh, also, I mean, it's 
if you can, I'd say get like a like a like a lab assistant job um, if you're in college for environmental right. science. But mm -hmm. um, you can there's a lot of things you can do um, to help you get more experience. There's internships and there's volunteer. Um, and as for classes, um, it's not it's actually not as well at least the school I went to. It's not a super uh, uh, technical major, um, but it depends oh, okay. on what exactly you're doing because the environmental field is really big. Um, you can go from like environmental mm -hmm. law to, to like, you know, somebody who works on the ground spraying weeds or, you know, someone who's like a, at like an executive level, like managing something. So there's very, it's very broad, but for me, which is like our conservation, which is kind of working on the ground on public land, it, it's more about like, uh, you talk about like statistics and like wildlife population statistics, that's about as difficult as it gets software so you have to use um but yeah sorry okay been on tangent. i think you're i think you're cutting out a little bit uh in in terms of your audio but that's okay oh, oh. You're going so yeah i think it's okay now. sure yeah you're back so um i i caught most of it though i think you said the major is not too bad um and in general if you're doing conservation it's more like statistics is that, is that's like roughly what you, what you said? Yeah. Yeah, a lot okay. of it is statistical because right. um, you're talking about populations and things like that. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Um, and so next, um, could you tell us about your internship in Idaho? Uh, I know you you said you've done that for like two six month periods now. Um, yeah. And I found it really interesting, so I'm sure you know our mm -hmm. audience would appreciate like you know some of that. Like, why'd you do it? Also, um, and what was it, and what did you gain from it? Mm -hmm. Sure. So in 2019, I went to central Idaho for six months from May to October. Mm -hmm. um, or is that like five and a half months or something? Um, and <laughs> I worked on the Salmon Chalice National Forest, which is a massive wilderness area. Um, it's like the, the designated wilderness area of the forest is over four million acres. So it's just a huge wilderness. Um, and I was able to work I lived uh, in the national forest, so I didn't have any cell service, limited electricity, um, things like that. A lot of camping, a lot of backpacking. Um, but what we did was we worked with federal agencies to work on like public land projects. So things like habitat restoration, like restoring streams for salmon spawning, because the salmon uh, that are born in the streams of Idaho travel all the way to the Pacific Ocean in Washington, mm -hmm. you know, off the coast of Washington, and then swim back. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge journey that many of them don't survive. So uh, those are like big uh, high priority animals or like the salmon and the trout. Um, and also things like trail work, which is, you know, these these trails I go through this huge wilderness need to be maintained. And it, and it takes a lot of manual labor, a lot of digging, a lot of cutting trees with chainsaws, things like that. Um, hmm. But it, it, it's kind of like a thing. If you, you can think of it as like a Peace Corps uh, type of program but it's in the U S so you think about it as like the domestic peace score. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And you get a lot of, I mean, the one I did, the program I did in Idaho, uh, I got a lot of great certifications that definitely I think helped my career and helped me under, understand environmental science a lot more, especially from like a management standpoint. Um, so I definitely recommend people do that. Um, I did my first season in 2019 while I was in school. So I took a, se a semester off um, and then, joined again uh, the following semester and then the second year i joined as a project leader which you know it's like a, a little bit better pay a little bit more uh, uh seniority position more of like a managing position mm -hmm. and, 
um, I did that for a season as well. And it was incredible. And uh, I'm really thankful for the experience. But I encourage people to, you know, look farther in their like past some of the boundaries that people might have. And, you know, I never really thought about Idaho. It's like one of the states you don't think about until someone tells you about yeah, it. Fly over like, state. Potatoes. <laughs> okay. But it's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Um, yeah. Mm. So I, I, I just wish that other people in my community would be able to experience that and understand the experience that I've had and, and how that's changed me. Um, that's actually a really good segue into our next thing that we're talking about, um, which is environmental awareness in the Muslim community specifically. So um, I'm sure perhaps you didn't find a lot of mosques in rural, rural Idaho, um, n- n- no Muslims really. Um, and I guess, could you like kind of reflect on that experience? Um, mm-hmm. And what does it you know, make you wish for our community going forward in terms of mm-hmm. environmental awareness? Sure. Well, I, I don't think it's the fault of anyone that they haven't moved into, there's, there are no Muslims in Idaho. Sure, I, mean, I understand sure. that. I, mean, yeah, there's a yeah, yeah. In, I think there's a community in, in Boise, but I think that's about okay, it. Okay, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, at least Muslims from, at least from South Asia have been only coming to the U.S. for the past like 30-ish years, 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not surprised that they haven't moved into these rural communities, but what but these communities have access to all this to land and they have a connection with the land in the way that I think we don't because we don't have access to to that like uh, public land. It's called public land because it's owned by it's owned by the, uh, the the general public. So you're allowed to camp on the land. You're allowed to hunt. You're allowed mm. to fish. You're allowed to log and mine. You know, you have to get permits and stuff, but it's called public land because okay. everyone owns it. And so that there's like a collective understanding of a collective responsibility of that land that we don't have in like the urban centers. So in Chicago, I mean, I'm not in the city, but all, almost all of Illinois is, is is privatized land. So, you know, if you're in any area, you know, whether it's like, a, like put a pin down in Illinois, you're going to be on someone's land. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to say, you know, get out of my, get on my, get off my lawn or get off my yeah. farm. Um, <laughs> right. So it, it, it gives a, another understanding. I, I think living in those communities gives people a different understanding about their connection to the land long story short. And I, and I wish that more Muslims would go into uh, more rural communities, but I, of course that's a lot to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I just, I just, I mean, it's but kind of selfish. It, I want to live in those communities, Yeah, but there's no, Muslims, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I should just start like a center <laughs> wherever I go. You should start. You should be the first one <laughs> and then yeah, invite, invite everyone. But so, so like, why though? I guess like, what do you think that in like raising environmental awareness, mm-hmm. uh, well, part of how it, does part it tie of... in with Islam specifically? Because that's something oh, we often don't like make that connection, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's know. it's huge because like we talk about you know we talk about everything that was like created for us, or we like we we marvel at the grandeur of you know everything that was that we have available to us, be it like basic resources like water and food, or like amazing landscapes that we should preserve because they're both like culturally important. They're, and like ecologically important. Um, but I think it's really important because uh, I don't know, I, I, I think our land is a gift. And to me, I see it as a gift. And I think it's very arrogant for humans to to destroy what was given to us. Um, and I think it's important to cherish what we have. There's a quote by Imam Jafar Sadiq. Um, uh, There's no joy in life unless three things are available. 
clean, fresh air, abundant, pure water and fertile land. So, I mean, that's just like a, a small quote, but it's, it's a, those are like simple things that, that affect us in such an important way because humans were, you know, we were create we were created on this earth. We were raised on this earth. And in that way we were kind of part of it. And I think, I think we can learn a lot from a lot of other cultures that hold land as a lot more sacred. Some Native American, most Native American cultures, I would say, as far as I know, have a very sacred place in their heart for the land because they see as if, as if they are part of the land and they have uh, a reciprocal relationship with it and that they take from it, but they also give to it and that they manage it in a certain way. Um, and I think that also leads to a lot better management of the land in general because, uh, for example, Native Americans were doing prescribed burning, uh, like burning prairies to promote prairie mm -hmm. health a lot long, long before, you know, the American, the uh, people who moved to the Americas did it um, because they have that kind of understanding of their, the earth. And, and that is, that helps them, I think, even be able to manipulate it even further um, to their, to their needs. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just think it's, I just think it's very, to me, it's kind of like a spiritual importance. Um, and I think that uh, I just I just think that it's a it's it, we're squandering our gift if we if we destroy like the only home we have, and I think that it's it's very uh, cruel to the people who will be affected by by things like environmental issues. So like if if we don't go and help um, people who are affected by the floods and the you know droughts and things that will inevitably and are, are happening and will, will inevitably continue to happen, then we are just sitting back and letting it happen. Letting the people who are the least responsible for a lot of these climate related issues to be the most victimized. And I think we have a responsibility to prevent that from happening to the best of our ability. Yeah, that, those are really good points. Um, and as you were talking, I was thinking about something else, which is a lot of the time, um, it, like these issues, they get hyper partisan, like extremely yeah. political. Um, mm -hmm. And so that often, once they get political or once they like get into mm -hmm. the, the spin cycle, um, just stops progress on them. So right. how do you, have you like thought about that issue and how do you think that we can, not as Muslims, obviously, but as a whole yeah. country, move past yeah. politicization of, of mm -hmm. environmental issues? Sure. Uh, so I, I thought about this a lot because working in Idaho, it's a very red state, one of the most red states in the country. Um, I've seen many Confederate flags there, you know, many people who are against environmental, against the Forest Service and other government agencies who are there to manage the land. They're very anti-land, like land management agency and anti-government um, because they feel like the government is encroaching on their land. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really hard to reckon with those people because they have, a, it's important to realize that their anger or ups, like the people for, for the people who live in these areas, these small communities that are very against in, like environmental in, pro environmental policy, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of it comes because they because they're I mean maybe mistaken but but they generally it comes from a, a place of like genuine care because they know that this land belong that the land that they own you know will be passed down to their children and their grandchildren and so it's it's kind of a family and like a, a connection that it, it has yeah. more to do with like. I don't know, larger issues, but it, it's kind of hard to, um, it's kind of hard so to it's not, like, reckon with that. But, but it's, like, like, I'm sorry, it's not like necessarily, is it that they're like against conservation or is it just that they're against government? 
conservation? Well, I think, I think, well, that's the problem. It's because it's kind of been made partisan because no one's ever had issues with like, well, I don't want to say that. I think people have always had issues with, with like national reserves and things like that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's partisan because of, because of maybe a lot of like anti-environmental lobbying that has led to like it becoming like a cultural issue, like the mm. hippies that are pro, you know, tree hugging, whatever. Mm. That's not necessarily, yeah. it doesn't necessarily do have to do about the actual issues. Like, oh, there's this, you know, the sage grouse is an environment, is like a threatened bird. Should we put on the environmental, environmental or the Endangered Species Act? Um, that's like a real thing. It's like a bird that was on the land that I was working on and oh. they decided not to put on the Endangered Species Act because the people, because that would require them to put aside land for this grouse, it's a bird. Um, but the problem is that people people graze their cows on this land, so they have you have to compromise with them. And so mm. what the government decided to do with this grouse was not put on the Endangered Species Act, which means there's no legal, there's no legal requirement for this bird to be protected. But but the local governments decide to work with landowners instead and try to save it that way. So it's a, it takes a lot of compromise and there's a lot of legal battles and, and things like that. And I, I think a, a great skill for someone who wants to work in this field is to be able to talk to people who don't necessarily share their views hmm. because it, it can be a very politicized issue. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I know that's like a difficult topic to address sometimes, but um, thank you. So um, a few other things, we're unfortunately almost out of time and went so quickly, um, but I have like one more question and then kind of wrapping up. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of this field specifically? I know you mentioned one downside might be many doomsday reports, but can you talk about pros and cons and how do you navigate the cons? Sure. Um, well, pros, I would say, are you're able, I mean, depending on where you are in this field, but but mm -hmm. you're able to work in a lot of different places. And if you're a nature lover, someone who loves to live in the country, if you love like uh, working on, if you love a, uh, working on your own or even with a team because it's a very large field. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for you. Uh, but could you repeat the question again? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, pros and cons <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, you're able to work anywhere. You're able to explore the world. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think as someone who's younger and able to like able-bodied at this point in my life, I really want to explore. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I relish the opportunity to work on, to, uh, to go to different places in the country and in the world, hopefully. Um, but uh, another pro would be like, it's. I think there's a great work atmosphere a lot of the times with environmental science because the people who work in this field are passionate about it and they genuinely care about each other and mm. what they're working on. So it's not just a paycheck. And speaking of paychecks, yeah. a con is that it may not pay as well as like a doctor or an engineer, but I mean, it's definitely something that you can live comfortably off of. If you're able to, to get a government job there, which there are a lot of, um, they have great benefits yeah. packages, things like that. There's a lot of government positions available, mm -hmm. um, but it may not be as prestigious, I guess, socially or in terms of how much you make as some of those other uh, other uh, fields. But if you're into environmental law, then you know you can make a lawyer's a lawyer's paycheck. So there, there's like a huge uh, range of of variety. Um, and yeah. Uh, the, yeah, so that uh, one more thing you mentioned uh, that doomsday thing, because that's definitely something that people deal with. And it's a big part of the, well, I, at some point, especially early on, it's a big part of like thinking about this field 
is to be mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like what place do I have in this world? Like, you know, you, you, when you first learn about this stuff, it can be very scary. And, and I think, and I think it continues to be scary, but like, I can't do it all. I can't fix any of this myself. And my, my individual actions are kind of minimal. Even my individual conservation actions, like recycling or planting a tree is kind mm-hmm. of small compared to, or the benefits of it. Sorry, if you can hear my cat. Uh, but the benefits <laughs> are kind right. of small compared to, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought again. Um, You're talking about uh, the cons, the doomsday reports. The oh, right, right, yeah. Thinking but, about those issues. <laughs> right, yeah. So you, you can't do it all yourself. Um, but, uh, and, and like, I only have a limited effect on the world, you know, personally. Sure, yeah. And, and so, I mean, all I can do is what I believe will will lead the world to being a little bit better i mean it's hard because anything any of these big issues have to be solved with like massive collaboration and Mm -hmm. speaking of collaboration like i i welcome any people who are interested in environmental science or working in environmental science they want advice or want to connect like i definitely reach out to me um because i mean because i mean i'd like to talk but i'd also like there to be some kind of community of muslims who are able to give each other advice and yeah. work with each other and uh you know and you know bring more muslim people into the world of environmental science i think it's pretty important um that we connect especially early on when when muslims are just kind of learning about the environmental science field um i think right. it's important that that people connect and and a lot i've i made many many friends in the environmental science field but i've never met a muslim <laughs> you know really it's, it's, like not even yeah, one I don't think so. Yeah, I don't okay. think so. It's it's hmm. it's a very I mean it's a very white dominated. Uh, you know, it's growing. I mean the, the there's a big push towards diversity, especially among uh, like Native American tribes because of their connection with a lot hmm. of these areas. So it's, it's a big push towards diversity, a big push towards um, getting people of different different who have from different cultures who have different ideas about our relationship towards land and might have better ideas about how to manage our land. Um, so another another pro is that is that you know it, you can contribute to the to the growing diversity of this field and uh, inshallah like yeah. you know help help solve big problems. You know you can only do so That's much great. on your own and uh, yeah inshallah like all you can do is your best and hopefully it's enough you know. That's so true. Um, okay, speaking of advice, because you're you're at, you're uh, saying mm-hmm. that people can can reach out to you for advice. Um, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners today? And then if they do want to talk, you know, to you specifically about this field, uh, where can they reach you? Sure. So I would say like, especially for people who are interested in environmental science, I would say the the best thing you can do is probably just go outside. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Great. What I would ask you, honestly, (laughs) go to Google Maps and find your closest, Mm -hmm. uh, like, like a forest preserve or any kind of natural area and go there because a lot of the times we have so many of these i have so many of them near my house i've never been to i've never heard about unless i look for it and there are these incredible beautiful places just under my nose that i never knew about so to, to build that love of the environment and to and the, you know a better connection with your spirituality would be to go to these places and spend time and reflect on and reflect on things like that but i would also say volunteers volunteering is definitely big if you're if you're able to if you're young and you have parents who are supporting you, then I would definitely say go volunteer after school, after college. Um, 
you could, there's some really amazing internship opportunities in those like local park district jobs, things like that. Hmm. Um, definitely do those. Um, if you can find local nonprofits, definitely do that as well. Um, and yeah, I would say, I would say just explore and because, because the love for environmental science comes from within and it's kind of like a mushy thing to say, but it comes from, it comes from within in in that, in that it's not something you go to. It's not a field you go in if you just want to, if if you're not really thinking about what you're doing and you're not really passionate about it. So the passion comes first, in my opinion. So I would say go outside, enjoy your time. Great. Thank you for the advice. And then how can people reach out to you if they, uh, would like to you know talk about this field and maybe they're sure. interested uh you can well i have an instagram <laughs> if you can just reach me on that okay. uh, is there a way yeah. i can say it or, or i can spell it out it's yes Q-A-I-M- you, can, you can say it. yeah oh q-a-i-m-o-o underscore mm-hmm. so my name okay. is time it's Great. i-mu underscore sorry mm-hmm. fire alarms going on. anyway oh, that's, that's all I have okay to say. great yeah so that's how they can they can reach you right just message you Okay. Just message me, okay. friend. Awesome. Whatever you want. Okay. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much, Brother Prime, for your advice today. Um, I hope our listeners, you know, learned a lot. Um, and hopefully some people will reach out to you and say that they're interested so we can get some more Muslims into into this field. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Um, and thank you, uh, all of our listeners, for tuning into the You Mentor Talk Show. Um, tune into our show next week, uh, next Saturday, 3 p.m., for another interview. Um, and if you enjoyed the show today, again, please consider supporting our talk show at mojaarch.org slash donate uh, or through the Moja app. Uh, remember, you can always catch our previous episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and also our website um, shortly after the show. Um, and that's it for today. Thank you. Moja Outreach Foundation, uniting and empowering the Shia community.